This is an ABC podcast. On top of the work pressure that I had, I had to also care for my baby. These are some of the pressures I faced as a female journalist. Only my male colleagues have the opportunity to do further trainings and lead us and take up the supervising role or leading role in our newsroom. The legislation we have now criminalizes journalism. You can go to jail or the organization that you work for can be fined. And so it makes it very, very difficult uh, for people who would like to report on the government, particularly in this country, to do so. We want to get first and information. And this is where we get ourselves into trouble for doing something that is right. Without journalists, there is no journalism. And without journalism, there is no democracy. In democracies around the world, the media keeps you informed about social, political and economic issues. And it encourages ideas to be discussed and debated. So what is it like to work as a journalist in the Pacific today? And how do female journalists fare against their male counterparts in an industry rocked by discrimination and sexual harassment? I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about women and press freedom. You might have heard journalism described as the fourth estate or the watchdog. That's because it is our job to make powerful people accountable, investigate corruption, human rights violations, and unethical practices, and keep you informed. But journalists and journalism are under threat around the world. The rapid spread of misinformation on social media, budget constraints, workplace harassment, and harsh media laws have had disastrous effects, especially in the Pacific. So it is no wonder news across the region has deteriorated. For women in journalism, the risks are even greater. Cynthia Dumara is one of Papua New Guinea's longest-serving journalists. In February this year, she was suspended as head of news and current affairs at MTV for three weeks without pay over her coverage of the police and their role in re-arresting and detaining Australian hotel manager Jamie Pang in PNG. Her stories questioned whether his arrest violated his human rights and Cynthia was accused of insubordination and damaging the company's reputation. The management spoke to me about not running stories on Jamie Peng, and I questioned that. And um, I had my reasons. I stated the reasons clearly. And um, I knew uh, we had not done anything wrong, but that escalated to the point that they didn't agree with what I mentioned or my discussions with uh, the management, the management being the acting CEO. And um, I did question that if there were instructions that came and yes, there was instructions, there was political interference. And I did ask if I could have that audience to see with the, the people or authorities concerned. I was never given that chance and everything escalated from there. My staff protested. Sinchu's colleagues worked off the job in solidarity after she was suspended. They were terminated for that without consultation. That didn't happen. Now, with my suspension, I was to show cause after 21 days, and I did. And I appealed 
for my team to return because there were important things we had to do. We were planning our coverage of the elections. And I, I appealed for that and I asked the management if we could have dialogue and address the misunderstanding or whatever it is. And um, that didn't have a positive outcome and I was terminated. MTV released a statement on its website about the dispute. It said MTV's journalists were not restricted or stopped from reporting unfolding stories on the detained resident. It added the directive to pull the story about Peng was a result of alleged insubordination by staff towards verbal instructions to drop stories sympathizing with Peng. MTV said it supports the independent operation and function of the news department while protecting MTV's viewers. So what sort of support has Sincha and her colleagues received? We have legal representation. So we will challenge our termination through the courts. Uh, what sort of support have you been getting within the media and also abroad? Not much support within the country because really we do not have a union that will stand up or speak up for workers in, in the media. So we've just started this union, but our support has been from abroad. You know, I thank the International Federation of Journalists and every other, you know, media organization or media unions abroad, especially Media Entertainment Arts Alliance that's in Australia. They've been very supportive. Sincha, what do you think needs to change at a community level or government to protect journalists, but also female journalists in PNG today? I think there should be a lot of awareness around media freedom, the very, the heart and soul of all this. People need to understand how a newsroom functions and um, people in leadership roles who are heading media organizations, they need to understand the boundaries that protects the journalists from doing what they have to do, that we need to do a job without intimidation, suppression, and, you know, it, it goes all the way up. Politicians need to know their, their boundaries when they're raising issues that's concerning them. People need to know. Is media really free in Papua New Guinea? Put it this way. We are treading on dangerous territory where democracy is threatened because if what happened to us is not addressed, it could happen to any other you know, media organizations who want to ask the hard questions. It's critical. This is democracy we're talking about. Sincha is one brave and gutsy journalist. It's admirable to put her life and livelihood on the line every day as she steps into the field to cover issues that affect Papua New Guineans. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Fellow Papua New Guinean journalist Julie Badui knows this pressure all too well and has reported for MTV on the ground in communities across the region for years. At times, her reporting has landed her in trouble with the law and with politicians with corruption allegations leveled against them. But her belief in the Ford estate keeps her going. I regard it as a noble profession that's here for the people to be their voice and to put a smile on their face. So basically, it's because of the people. I love that. Uh, You've been threatened before for questioning a governor about overspending. Yeah. So I was threatened once uh, by uh, the governor's official for Morbe province concerning a story that we did 
We managed to sort that out. We received an apology from the governor telling us that, you know, what uh, his officials did was uncalled for and not acceptable. And so he suspended his officials. So we took it to court and yes, they were guilty. Are there other instances where you were intimidated or even threatened with violence? There were a few instances as well where, uh, you know, me encountering um, threats, uh, death threats, I, I should say, from foreigners. I reported on how, you know, they've mingled with um, the our, our government system and, you know, practicing a lot of um, corrupt activities inside the city. There were a few others, and I was also given some lawsuit for reporting on corruption that was um, done within the administration, the provincial administration by some prominent figures from the government departments concerning stories that affect the people, people being the victims of their corrupt acts and all this. So I was given lawsuit, a summons and all this, but uh, their lawyers never really um, wasn't present. And so the court striked out the cases because of the, the evidences that I provided uh, through my uh, legal counsel. What you've experienced, is that the same sort of situations that female journalists, women journalists in PNG are exposed to as well? Or do you get similar kind of reactions from your colleagues, female colleagues? It depends on us individual journalists, especially female journalists. You know, some of us remain indoors. You know, we get um, press releases and then we just report on the press releases. Some, m- Most of us, we, we love going into the communities, the villages, the remote areas. We want to get first and information. Whilst doing this, this is where we get ourselves into trouble for doing something that is right. So whenever we speak out, Whenever we come to be our people's voice, we always come into trouble. Julie, what what do you think can be done to make it, how can it be safer for women who want to pursue this profession in journalism and PNG? It's really, really hard for a female journalist to get out there. You know, when we say that our male counterparts cannot do this and we have the capacity to do it, but we can't, we hold it, hold ourselves back because there's no law that can protect us as journalists to give us the freedom to move in. And, you know, our security is not guaranteed, but most of us as, um, as Melanations, we depend on God and we trust our, uh, we have faith in our own capacity. That's the only thing, you know, the courage that we have. These are the only things that push us to do things that we know that, you know, with this type of mentality, we risk ourselves to get in there and get things out and, you know, at least to put a smile on our people's face. So we really need to have a law that will guide us and, you know, uh, as journalists to, because democracy is very important. Without democracy, Really, that's very dangerous. Julie, what a champion. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Pressure is mounting on journalists in other parts of the Pacific too. Lita Movono is a freelance journalist based in Suva. You might have seen her byline on websites like ABC News, The London Times and The Guardian. That's because Fiji's media laws are so restrictive that it is safer for her to publish her work with outlets that won't violate legislation in her home country. 
Over the past um, three or four years or so, since I've been operating as a foreign correspondent for Australian and New Zealand media, I have been um, targeted quite frequently. Uh, threats on my life or hostile reactions from the people that I interview, particularly uh, government, or it can be even things as mild as, you know, not being um, invited to things or uh, my personal favorite being uh, left out of the police mailing list and, and, and uh, the police. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> so yes, it, oh, can, wow. it can be quite uh, restrictive. It can be a little bit intimidating. I've heard this before uh, from one of our other colleagues in Solomon Islands where they're not in the good books of their police as well. So interesting. Uh, do women have it harder, female journalists in, in Fiji than blokes or your male colleagues? I would say that it is. And in fact, I, I uh, while I say that, I want to uh, bring to your attention a pretty good piece of research that was conducted by the University of the South Pacific's journalism program in consultation and in partnership with the Fiji Women's Rights Movement and the We Rise Coalition that looks at the sexual harassment uh, that female journalists in Fiji experience. And I think the figure they had was 83% of the respondents to this survey had talked about going through sexual harassment either from their colleagues or from the people that they interview or come across while conducting their work. And in the list of people that uh, female journalists talked about being harassed by, uh, government leaders, politicians, and um, business people. And I can attest to that. I've been in in the media since um, the very late 90s, and it's difficult. We get treated uh, in in a way that uh, our male country Stone. And in the past two years or so since covering the pandemic, that's become even more evident. Government leaders in particular speak to female journalists in ways they don't do with the men. Wow. In your view, does Fiji have a free press? In my view, Fiji does not have a free press. We have um, legislation, the Fiji Media Act, which can land you in prison. I, for example, uh, concisely chose to publish all of my news work outside of this country to just steer clear of the, the restricted nature of, of our um, legislation. Like, For example, there are stories that have been published either by the ABC or um, the colleagues across the pond in New Zealand that I've had uh, lawyers have a look at to tell me if this was something that could get published here. And I've been told, no, that will earn you a charge of either community antagonism or sedition even. So no, I don't believe the Fijian press is free. When I entered as a cadet, it was a lot more free than it is right now. What prote- protections would you like to see put in place, especially for female journalists today in Fiji? I think it's really important, first and foremost, for the Fijian media industry, the, the industry body that looks after the media, the, the owners of the media organizations here, and those groups who have been identified by that particular research to, you know, to be where the perpetrators work and live, to, to take responsibility for, for what these uh, female journalists have said they have undergone, you know, for, for the past two or three decades or so. I think it's important to realize that while this particular research looks 
at the sexual harassment that female journalists go through. It's not inconsistent with uh, wider, more generalized research about what women in the Pacific go through in terms of gender-based violence and sexual offenses. There's been very little, if any, acknowledgement from the media bodies itself and from the government who is listed as, you know, where some of the perpetrators come from as to having seen the research, considering it valid or, or being willing to work with the feminist organizations here to, to do something about it. Mm. And for women, it seems like very little is ever done about their complaints. Why do you think this is this is so? From having reported on and having covered um, the work of the women's organizations in the Pacific and, and in Fiji in particular, the reasons are the same. There is a um, more superficial acceptance and acknowledgement of the status of women, of what women in the Pacific go through in terms of gender-based violence. But when it boils down to actual actioning and actual making it operational, the things that our governments agree to at an international level in terms of you know what they willing to do to protect their women, it's not always very evident. Um, so this this particular research is important because it looks at one particular industry, uh, the media, but when you talk to the women's groups, uh, they say the same thing. Um, there's, there's some progress, but not enough because the incidences of, of, of offences against women is still pretty high, too high. Uh, why uh, double, I think, the global average? Hmm. From what you've mentioned, is that having a chilling effect on women, women leaving our profession and, you know, the young ones not wanting to join this profession? The research by um, the, the USP Journalism Program and the We Rise Coalition and FWRM says that. It says that the women who responded to the survey spoke about having to go out and then come back, having to learn to toughen up, having to undertake uh, mental health support in order to deal with um, the sexual harassment and the harassment in, in general that they go through. And, and I think it does have an impact. And considering that the Fijian media industry is made up of about 65% women, that's very dangerous because these are the people who have to hold power to account. Mm. And on top of what you've mentioned already, um, what are the conditions like, especially with pay? Is there a difference with what your male colleagues get versus what our female colleagues get as well? Wider media research also done by uh, the USB Journalism Programme is consistent with what the women's organizations in Fiji and in the region, some of whom are headquartered here, have been saying for at least the past 20 years that I've been reporting on gender-based issues, and that is that women still don't get equal pay despite having equal qualifications and equal experience as their male counterparts. And when when you're talking about the media industry, where the pay is notoriously bad and where the working conditions are still very, very difficult, that's alarming. And uh, in a time uh, where the labor laws of, of place, say Fiji, for example, continues to improve, um, the status of women working in the media is sadly still not, not great. How can that improve? Well, I think that it's about uh, political will. When I say political will, I mean the people who head Fiji's newsrooms, the majority of whom are men. The Fijian Media Association, for example, has only two women on its executive council. The rest, men, still very low representation of women. They need to have the political will to bring more women to the table, to offer more seats to women, and to lend a voice to the difficulties that women in the industry go through. If we're unwilling to make operations 
inspirational, the changes we write about, when we write about what women go through, then it makes very little sense um, until such time as the men realize that uh, there are more of them at the leadership table when there are more women in the industry as a whole and that they need to change that. Things are going to be the same for a while longer. Suva-based correspondent Lethe Movono certainly gives us a lot to consider about the current media landscape in Fiji and women's role in it. It sounds like men need to step aside and amplify their female colleagues more. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Christian Rita Leong is a freelance journalist in Solomon Islands and has been working in the region for the past five years. What really motivated me to being a journalist is um, the importance of having to tell the stories of other people as well and giving them a platform that they can use to to share their concerns and also discuss a lot on the issues that it's of importance uh, to the Solomon Islands. She's also a mother juggling home life with work. Being a mother of two, you know, there's pressure coming as well from family, uh, as well as the deadlines that come with the work, that uh, the responsibilities that, that come with work. And there are days that, you know, sometimes these forms of pressures, they, they exert a lot on, uh, on myself, you know, and, and the work that I do. Um, when I had my um, eldest daughter in the first a month or so of just after I gave birth to my daughter, on top of the work uh, pressure that I had, I had to also care for my baby. So I had ended up taking my little baby to work because I had to nurse her as well. And these are sort of some of the pressures I face as a, as a female journalist. It's attending to the job that's there or the work that's also there and expected of me as well as being able to balance that as a, as a mom. Good on you. And uh, as a woman reporting on the ground in communities, what is it like? I've just started, you know, my career as a journalist just five years, unlike um, the incredibly fierce journalists here in the Solomon Islands that many might know of, uh, like, such as Dorothy Wickham and Gina Kekea. And, and they have been leading the way for us young journalists in the role that, we, uh, that I am currently in. And it hasn't been an easy one, as I would have imagined. Yes, of course, we, in the communities, uh, some communities, when they understand the role of the journalist, journalists have been welcomed, whereas some uh, who do not understand the role of journalists, that becomes a little bit um, difficult as well to, to work with them. But all in all, within um, in the Solomons itself, the media industry has um, been one that uh, has allowed journalists to uh, and, and the freedom of uh, you know, the power, the freedom of journalists to, to freely uh, uh, report on issues. And, and that's one here in the Solomons. A wonderful mother and journalist too. Solomon Islands reporter, Christian Rita Leong. Staying in Solomon Islands, Jennifer Kusapa has been around a little longer. She has been a journalist for nearly 20 years and has covered nearly every news round. But despite her experience, she has faced pushback and legal disputes over her work. I mainly do court reporting and police stories, and sometimes I cover women's stories, economic stories. When you do report on like sensitive issues like murder or any killing incident like that, sometimes they did not want you to go and cover the story and we are finding difficulties sometimes 
doing coverage on the, those type of issues. Like you mentioned, you've done court reporting. Have there been a time when there was a particular topic where you pressured or intimidated as a journalist while you were reporting on court matters? Yeah, uh, I have sometimes the accused or the, the relatives of the accused when uh, covering the relative in court. Sometimes they are they called up in the or at the office and tried to threaten me and during the election uh, trials, the petitions, when uh, we go to the courts for reporting, the other party would give some sarcastic comments and they would shout at you, oh, you come here for cut another, like they using your pen to cut and spoil our relatives in your paper. They would say those words to us. So, yeah, doing reporting in the courts is really challenging as well because people like in the Solomon Islands, almost everyone knows you, so sometimes you can't hide. Yeah? Mm. You may have started when there was no social media around and no Facebook was not even big. Now it's different now. It's changed the landscape of the way reporting is done in our region and I guess the world as well. In yeah. terms of online harassment, is that an issue with yourself as a female journalist and your female colleagues in Solomon Islands today? Yeah, in terms of Yabusa, people, they can harass you online. They post badly, put comments on you, targeting you. Like They would post unnecessary, some abusive words towards you. So sometimes as, as a female, I would not feel comfortable to like go out in the public or more exposed to other people places where I think those people will be there. Mm, I get you. This is something that I also face on a regular basis on social media, but I guess we just learn to grow a thick skin, and that's very unfortunate. In terms of, um, you know, we talk about glass ceilings for women. Are women able to advance in journalism at the same pace as men, or is that not something that you observe? Like for me, I think, I mean, from my own experience this year, it's my 16 years in working with the newspaper, but I have worked with most male colleagues. So all of them were given the opportunity to go and do trainings and in the newsroom, only male are leading the newsroom due to this job is a male dominated job. So only my male colleagues have the opportunity to do further trainings and lead us and take up the like the supervising role or leading role in our newsroom. For me and my my other female colleague, we are always uh, left out. Just follow what the men are saying. So yeah, that's really sad to hear. I mean, you have got so much wealth of experience, and you're not given the opportunity to opportunity to train and advance yourself. Yeah. That's really discriminating. And um, look, I just wanted to say your colleagues might be listening to you speak like this. Is that you? Are you okay with that? <laughs> well, they will look, be happy with me if they hear it. <laughs> well, but you need to say it. Hopefully they hear you and they will say, look, you know, it's time for them to change their minds about the way they see you and your, you know, your woman, their woman colleague. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. Hopefully this does not sort of have a negative impact on young, the young upcoming journalists, women journalists who want to join this profession. What would be your advice to young women journalists? I would advise them they need to work hard, need to uh, 
don't let yourself down, but we need to come out and walk alongside with the men and show themselves that they can do something. They can do it as men can do too. And what about the men who are listening to you? Uh, I want to ask the men to respect women, give them opportunity, encourage their colleagues. Like uh, They should not be selfish with any opportunity that comes. They should give the female the opportunity to learn and train so that they too can work together with them for the betterment of the media industry in the country. What a qualified, talented and strong voice for women in the media in Solomon Islands. That's Island Sun journalist Jennifer Kusapa. Thank you to our brave journalists on today's episode. Cynthia Dimara, Julie Badui, Lithe Movono, Christian Rita Leong and Jennifer Kusapa. The work they do and other journalists like them is crucial to a healthy democracy. If Pacific media organizations want trust and respect, then that respect must be extended to women in the media. 80% of female Fijian journalists experience sexual harassment at work. That's not good enough. If our job is to shine a spotlight on injustice and hold the powerful to account, then the same must happen within newsrooms. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, Chlamydia in the Pacific. We look at the numbers that we get from the studies and we look at the burden of asymptomatic patients that we get into the clinic. You know, the number of patients who come with a lot of discharge syndromes. Yes, I could say that chlamydia is on the rise. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Melissa Makin. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producers are Ingrid Stunzner and Justin Kelly. And our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. And Tasol Nabungim you next time.